0: Hey, how's everybody doing and welcome back to 125 unfiltered episode 73 and today I have a very special episode for you guys today, you know, we're going to take a break from basketball. I know NBA uh, playoffs are heating up, especially with Celtics going to game seven, but again, we're talking about lacrosse today, but I don't know too much about lacrosse, but thankfully I brought in someone who truly does a lacrosse expert himself and sports sector colleague Jay Banza is here with me today to talk about some UNC women's lacrosse. Jay, how are you doing today?
1: You know, Josh, I'm doing pretty well. It's the day between the Final Four and the national championship, so it's kind of a a time to relax and get reset, refocused on tomorrow afternoon when the Heels can hopefully bring home the third national title in program history.
0: I mean, yeah, it's been – I mean what a crazy game it was yesterday. UNC sports have really just been on a roll. Uh, UNC baseball won today. They're going to the to the ACC Championship. Then obviously the Heels uh, yesterday for women's the cross or having one of the best comebacks in school history. So let's just go straight into it. Jay, UNC women's the cross, they're down 6-0 after one quarter. They're down 13-6 after 3 quarters. They're down 14 to 7 with 9:40 to go and they come back and win 15 to 14 scoring eight straight goals, an incredible comeback. They scored with a minute uh, and three seconds to take the lead. We'll obviously get into all the goal scores, but from an overall view, how do they get it done?
1: Well, from field level, you can kind of tell Northwestern got off to the six nothing stretch in the first 13 or so minutes. And then the, the big rain delay is what changed everything um, because obviously Northwestern had a lead the entire game, but once you came out of that rain delay, pretty much the end of the first quarter, it was pretty much even. Um, obviously, Northwestern had the 14-7 lead, so I guess they had a plus-one advantage from the rain delay on. But the, the the first 13 minutes is where Northwestern really took control of the game. Um, and Carolina really just, in that 13 minutes, couldn't win a faceoff, couldn't really put too many shots on goal. The shots we did put on goal were – easily saved by I don't I don't remember a name Northwestern's goalie who played out of her mind just I think it was set, yeah the, the entire day even the last couple of minutes um even played out of her mind she's the reason they had that lead to begin with uh so credit to her and then they just kept winning faceoffs. and when you're you're when you're winning faceoffs and you're creating shots that are like high percentage shots Taylor Marino didn't really have a chance she didn't play her best game yesterday she got benched in it um, which I have never seen before Uh, one of the best goalies ever she's a six-year senior getting benched in what could be her final game kind of crazy to think about Um, so Northwestern was putting good shots on net Carolina was not making saves and then at the other end Carolina was putting shots on net that Northwestern easily saved And so when you have Northwestern scoring, getting stops, and winning faceoffs, you're pretty much playing make it, take it in basketball. And they just got a really big lead early on. And the rain delay was the worst possible thing you could ask for if you're a Northwestern fan, but it was your saving grace as a Carolina fan. So it really allowed Carolina to reset. There were, I think, a minute 11 seconds left in the quarter coming out of the rain delay. And you could see from the jump, Carolina started with the ball and it was just like a different mentality. So, the rain delay really changed everything, and then obviously the last eight plus minutes were something entirely different.
0: Yeah, because, because like you said, Northwestern still stayed out in front, uh, up seven goals. And when you just look at a, at a deficit like that, especially like you said, with those first that that first period, I mean, it just looked like. Uh, like it was over and you know, you just can't ever count a team out because what I didn't realize really uh, when watching uh, the last 10 minutes of the game is those draw controls are just so important. It's not like in another sport where if you score, the other team gets the ball, you got to earn it every single time. And it truly played such a huge role in UNC's comeback. Uh, now let's get into the goal scores a little bit because we have to start with uh, Sam Geiersbach. She had five goals in the fourth period in seven minutes of time to hero for UNC Every single goal was unassisted. She scored the team's last four goals. She had two assists as well. Uh, Obviously, Jamie Ortega had a pretty solid game, three goals, three assists. I mean, that's what we expect of her. And then uh, Ali Mastriani, she had three goals as well. But Geiersbach is truly the hero uh, who just absolutely took over, uh, like I said, five goals in in the fourth. And something that was interesting, I mean, they were all ISOs. You know, she's going one-on-one. The spin move is just lethal. But um, for, for her to kind of just anchor that comeback, what was just the tide like when you, were, when you were at the game, when she was just scoring time and time again?
1: I kind of, when they got it, I thought it would need to get down to four goals to have a shot. But I remember looking, I was filming with our classmate, Tyler Chilton, who was also on the sideline with me. I remember making it 14-9, to nine, so we had scored twice. I was like... The, this might actually happen, because if you go back and look through our scores throughout this year, we were down 5 nothing to Notre Dame in the ACC semifinal, came back to win by one. Uh, BC, we were down, I think it was three in the third quarter of the ACC championship, won by like 11. So we, we have, I told him, we have this ability, this fifth and sixth gear that nobody else has. We just had to find it. And we found it for the last eight minutes. It took way, way too long to find it. But we found it, like we had a couple times previously this year. And you mentioned Sam Geiersbach. It was literally just the equivalent of playing pickup basketball, make it, take it, because we were winning all draw controls, playing make it, take it, saying, hey, we have the best player on the field. You can't stop her, and there's nothing you can do about it. That That's pretty much what happened. Her inside roll was lethal. The goal that she tied, she inside rolled, and they covered it. They got to her strong hand. They forced her back to her strong side uh, the, right in front of the goal, um, in the equivalent of the high slot in hockey, and hit a bounce shot to tie the game, and it, it was just—I had such a unique angle because if you go and watch on the broadcast, you can see me filming. She lined up right in my shot every time. That's her money spot. She's a lefty trying to get to her strong hand, strong left hand going towards the middle of the field, not trying to duck under. And you, she just attacked and stuck her foot in the ground and spun under. On I think it was three of the five goals, I and mean, she just. She could teach a clinic. Baltimore, Maryland is like the hot spot for lacrosse in the United States. She could go to St. Paul's School right now, 20 minutes up the road, and host a clinic and be one of the best teachers of it in the world right now. She That, that was just – it was magical to watch because she's so good at it, and she we just needed it. Like I, I was questioning where it was, and then it showed up, and it, it was – a, a run that I have rarely seen in the sport and certainly not in the final four with eight minutes to go. I've never seen it.
0: Yeah. I mean, just the magnitude of the moment and how she stepped up time and time again. And like you said, it, she could not be stopped. Um, and this is, you know, this is a transfer from Richmond, uh, uh, one of the several transfers that UNC has on the team. And just to just, she just said, let me take you to the promised land. Kind of like, I mean, I don't want to like obviously be too hyperbole, but kind of like how, you know, like a LeBron will just say, just give me the ball. Let me go do it. She did that again, scoring the last four goals. She just went to work the uh, uh, just um, the, the, on the one on ones, just letting them ISO. And that was uh, extremely impressive. So what a heroic performance. Something that also really impressed me, though, the forced turnovers. They forced eight turnovers in the fourth period. Uh, winning six of eight draw controls during their uh, massive run in the fourth also really helps. But there are three plays that I really wrote down on the defensive side that I think helped the heels just get this run going. Because if Northwestern scores a goal, I mean, Lauren Gilbert, she had five goals, one assist in the game. She was fantastic. She's unbelievable. Um, But it was with 745 left in the fourth, Emma Trenchard, uh, has a, uh, knocks the ball out of Gilbert's hands that goes uh and leads to a penalty on Northwestern. And then with four Oh six left Caitlin Warsberger, she sprints down the field. And I believe it was on, it might've been Jill Girardi. She knocks the ball out of her stick and that leads back to the other side on offense for UNC. I think they get a goal out of that. And then it was Elizabeth Hillman, Uh, With uh, 208 left, she also forced another turnover. So they, not only were they scoring just rapid fire, but they were getting the stops necessary to actually be able. Um, to to keep a comeback a lot because again, if Northwestern gets a goal or two, uh, it, it's just they run out of time. But the defense, the forced turnovers, even with under a minute left, uh, Growney forced a turnover when it was it was, when they were back up one. So I thought I was so impressed with uh how much they pressured Northwestern in that fourth to not even give them a chance to score. No, no shots really. It seemed in those last ten minutes.
1: The you mentioned the play, the the turning point in that game where it it went from me thinking this is possible to this is going to happen was that Wurzberger play. Because we had a shot, I think, and it got saved because their goalie showed up even in that stretch. It, the score, the box score obviously doesn't show it. Gave up however many goals in the fourth quarter. But she made that one big save, and they were clearing the ball. And Caitlin Wurzberger, she was about 15 yards in front of me. I'm like, is she going to get there? Because uh, during the game, she, yeah, she she's running, don't get me wrong, but there's no determination. You could see something in her body language at that moment in time that said, this ball is not going to get past me. And I forget who was actually on the front side of that play because Caitlin came from behind to double. And in women's lacrosse, you have to be really careful because if you make any sort of body contact with your stick, it's a penalty and the other team gets the ball. It's not like men's where you can just kind of take a whack at it if you hit a chest or even like a back most of the time it won't get called, especially in the Final Four. So she had to really time this thing, and you can just see her kind of lurking and just slowly making progress on this Northwestern defender, and she waits for the perfect time and knocks it out, and somehow the ball stays in bounds, and she gets it. So that was a big theme of the fourth quarter was Carolina's ability to ride the ball and really not let Northwestern get too many shots on goal. I will say they had a pretty good-looking chance. I think it was about 45 seconds left. Taylor Marino got the ball and went behind the cage, did everything to kill the clock. And all she had to do was send it down to the other side of the field. And I don't know what happened, but it just went like a duck up in the air and landed right in Lauren Gilbert's stick. And I was like, oh, my God, we're up one. She's going to score because there was nobody in front of her. I think it was Emma Trenchard came in the middle and contested a little bit. But they still got a pretty good shot on net. And Taylor Marino made the save of her day. Um, to keep it out, and goodness gracious, it was one of the most emotional things that I've seen. Was that save and the Wurzburger turnover because that you knew that Carolina had a pretty good shot to win once those two plays happened.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, Trenchard fell down on that play. Gilbert was point blank. I mean, that's Northwestern's best player, and. Uh, To make a mistake that big from Moreno, but and then also, like you said, getting pulled to just make the save to save the game for UNC because who knows what happens uh, if it goes to overtime. Just it's the little things in in a comeback like that that you need to happen uh, to make it all count because you can score all the goals. But you know, if you don't do the little things on defense and in transition, uh, you know, it who knows? Maybe this comeback would have fallen just a little short, just like it did, you know, uh, a year ago. Uh, so spe- speaking of a year ago, cause, uh, actually Jay, I'll give you the floor. If you want to say any last things about uh, this Northwestern game before we preview the national championship,
1: I'll just say, I thought we were dead in the water, even with 10 minutes to go. And when I, I've seen comebacks like that in the youth game where you've got this dominant face-off kid who's winning everything, just the team around is not doing too much. And they go down big and whatever, and the kid starts, continues to win faceoffs, and the rest of the team shows up and starts to score. It's not that rare in youth because it's so, the skill difference can be so wide. But for it to happen like that in the final four against a team who is really, really like Northwestern was seeded fourth for a reason. They are really good. Um, they did not, they did not play anywhere near their best performance in Chapel Hill when Carolina won 20 to nine a couple months ago. That was not Northwestern's best game whatsoever. And for that kind of game, that kind of run to happen in that short period of time, in that magnitude of game, was something that I think few in the sport have ever seen, at least that I can remember. Yeah, I mean, just a magical, a magical moment for Carolina lacrosse.
0: Yeah, truly a magical moment. I mean, you don't see comebacks like that all the time, just... Uh, it, it it left me speechless when I'm checking the score, you know, whenever I see we're down 14 to seven, I'm like, okay, darn, you know, same thing as last year, but seeing it at 14 all. And then actually like when I watch it back, you just, like you say, you can just see the tide turning. Um, they were up, they were 15 to five in shots in the fourth quarter forced eight Northwestern turnovers, like I said earlier. Um, and then when they capitalized on all their opportunities, they got it done and they will face Boston College tomorrow at 12 o'clock noon. I will make sure to be uh, standing by for this one uh, to watch and then give you guys a recap episode after it's done. But this is the third matchup of the season for Boston College. For UNC, this is their first national title uh, game appearance since 2016, looking for their third title. Now in both meetings, UNC came out on top. They won 16 to 15 at Boston college. And then in the ACC championship game, they won 16 to nine. Uh, they had an 11 0 run in goals in that game. They're down six to three early in the third period. And then just had a blitz of goals, uh, to go up 14 to six. And they never looked back. Jamie Ortega was just fantastic. That game, she had nine points, four goals, five assists, nothing new, uh, for Ortega, but, Uh, Boston college also had some drama yesterday in their game. They beat Maryland 17 to 16 Cassidy Weeks scored with 19 seconds left. Uh, and they were down, I believe three or four goals in the fourth. So both teams with comebacks, uh, and they're going to face off some ACC action, uh, for the third time. So looking at this matchup, what do you think is the key for UNC to finally just break through for their title?
1: There's a couple of things because, as you mentioned, the previous game against Boston College, they got off to a really slow start. We're down two or three in the third quarter, came back to win, hit that fifth, sixth gear that nobody else in the country has and ended up winning the game by a significant margin. So it's it's getting off to a decent – you don't even have to get off to a hot start. You just got to get off to a decent start because you cannot put yourself down six-nothing like that against uh, Boston College because a lot of people – have heard the name but charlotte north for boston college is like i love jamie ortega she's a great player don't get do not get me wrong she's a we're biased carolina fans here she's great she is not charlotte north charlotte Charlotte north is very likely the best player in the history of the sport and anytime you have that person on your team you have a shot regardless of place deficit opponent whatever um so carolina Has the defense to slow her down. Emma Trenchard's the best defender in the country, has been for a couple of years now. That's a great matchup. They play on Team USA together. Charlotte and uh, Emma know each other very well. It's a great matchup. You've got to slow her down, preferably five or fewer points, which sounds like a lot. Let's be real. Like three goals, two assists is a good performance. But if you allow her to just go nuclear, like she has had 10 goals in a game in her career, she has the ability to light it up. Um, you got to slow her down, and you just got to get off to a decent start. You don't even have to get off to a hot start. Just have it tied, be up one or two at halftime, and Carolina should be looking at its first national championship in six years.
0: Yeah, I mean, Charlotte North, she had six goals uh, in the game yesterday against Maryland. I mean, just so explosive offensively um you can't let her do all the damage like you said uh and i feel like you know she had four goals the first matchup then three in the second matchup so you could say the second game uh they they contained her pretty well but that's gonna be a huge key uh you that unc defense definitely needs to do a lot to limit her she has 111 points on the season i mean 88 goals there's nothing else to say there. Uh, but also Jen Medjid, hopefully I said that right. She had three goals, two assists. Yesterday, she has 100 points on the season. So she's definitely not alone. But obviously, this is UNC offense. They can't start out slow, like you said. Um, and it's this is a UNC offense, I feel, you know, after watching the few games that I have. Uh, they do it by committee. You know, Ortega's so good, but she's also so so selfless with all the assists she gives out. You got Sky Rose Growney. She had a pretty good game. She had two goals, I believe. Uh, yesterday you got Wurzberger, you got Mastriani. Uh, I mean, Andy Aldave, she didn't even get on the score sheet yesterday. Northwestern did a great job containing her, but there are so many, I and mean, then obviously Gearsbach, but there are so many offensive weapons for UNC who is your X factor on the offensive side to kind of, you know, maybe get that nice early lead, uh, give, get a little cushion early on for the heels.
1: My X factor pretty much all season has been Scotty Rose grounding. Cause when, when she has a big day, when she has four plus goals, in her career, I think they're like 30 and something and one. Like when she she's the beneficiary of Jamie Ortega being the great individual player that she is, a great individual dodger and feeder. So when she when she gets that much attention, you've got a great feeder behind the cage and Caitlin Worzberger, who is she's not, she's not a goal scorer. She can score, do not get me wrong, but she's she's a distributing point guard of the offense. That that is her role, and she is fantastic at it. And so, when you've got Jamie Ortega, who can feed like she can, with Wurzberger on the other side, who maybe I think is an even better feeder, you're going to have a ton of opportunities to score goals. And Scotty Rose is very good at doing that. So, um, so from the attack perspective, Scotty Rose always is. And then the big thing, as we saw once they got in their run yesterday, was draw controls. Ali Masciani is one of the best to ever do it, I think, personally. She didn't have a great day yesterday. It was Andy Aldave really took control of the draw control circle in that run. And so finding somebody, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter who it is. Aldave, Mastriani, Olivia Dirks can sometimes get in there, number 27, the Penn State transfer. Somebody's got to win draws consistently because if you give Boston College and Charlotte North that many more opportunities to score, you might be looking at the ball in the back of your net and having to go do it all over again. So just finding somebody – hopefully Allie because she's the best at it and if she gets rolling it's really near unstoppable um but if it has to be Andy or Olivia to do it it doesn't matter just somebody's got to be successful with the draw control circle
0: definitely yeah and and let's I guess for the viewers who don't fully understand kind of including myself but for a draw control we kind of I mentioned it earlier but like uh in lacrosse you score and then it goes to the middle but it's not like men's lacrosse where it's like trying to, like, face-offs, like, on the ground. So how, how does it, like, work? Because they were they were calling penalties yesterday, and UNC got the ball. So can you kind of break that down a bit more uh, for everyone who's listening right now?
1: So the draw control circle in women's is w- completely different from men's. So if you've watched men's lacrosse, forget everything you've seen in that game. For women's, you the two players put their sticks together in the air at about their hip level, like hip, mid-chest area, and you put the ball in between the sticks where – the top of each stick meets. So the very top of the stick meets the very top of the stick and they push together. And when the ref blows the whistle, they both thrust the ball up in the air and it must go above their head for it to be legal. And it's really the first person to recover that ball, whether it be the person in the actual draw circle or any of their teammates on the wings can pick it up. So most of the time you'll get a early movement by one player. They'll try and thrust it up too early or they'll try and, A lot of times they'll shake the stick beforehand and try and get it a little looser where it is so they can get a better field than their opponent. Um, So it's really all about just thrusting the ball up in the air at the same time, making sure it goes above both players' heads so that there's a fair chance to go get it from both sides. But most of the time, like, Ali Masciani is really good at it because it's just like basketball going up for rebounds. She's taller than most people. Like, the, the best player to ever do it is at Duke right now. I forget her name she's like six foot three. So literally the ball just goes up in the air and she will hold one hand up with her stick and just grab it. And you can't knock the stick out because you're not wearing gloves or protective equipment in women's. So Allie's, I believe she's six one. So she's not quite as tall, but she still can do the same thing. Reach up with literally one hand on the stick and just get that vertical reach with the stick and her arm and everything. And that's pretty much to her advantage. So Carolina, if, if Allie can get going and just make sure the ball gets way up in the air instead of just a few feet above her head, um, Carolina should be pretty good. I will say Charlotte North is very good at draw controls too. She's not just an offensive player. She's a hybrid, super freak, super talented player who will take a lot of draws, will play a lot of attacks. So if we can really wear her out, make her take a ton of draws, run up and down the field instead of just camping out playing offense where she can rest up when her team is on defense, that would definitely play to Carolina's advantage.
0: Yeah, for sure. And and watching yesterday, it made me realize that with those draw controls, the way they're set up, no lead is safe whatsoever. You can always come back, and UNC certainly showed that yesterday. I'm super excited to watch the game tomorrow. Again, it's at noon on ESPN. I'm obviously going to roll with the Tar Heels. I'm sure you are too. Um, because, you know, this is, it looks like UNC is looking to, uh, to flip the script here. They did it this past game. You know, they were uh, they were down 11 6 to Boston College last year in the semifinals, and they cut it to one goal at 11 10. Wasn't able to come out on top as Boston College rolled to a national championship. They are the defending national champions. So, uh, beat them three times in the season is certainly hard. And, Jay, I think I actually I remember talking to you about this probably a couple months ago. Um, and you said before, I think we even played them once you predicted we're going to be playing Boston College three times. Uh, and, you know, with uh, UNC getting knocked out by them in 2019, 2021, can they flip the script again like they did last game to go win that national title? I'm sure you're going to be pr- pr- uh, rolling with the Tar but, uh, you know, we just got to get official prediction.
1: If I had to, I think part of what makes me more confident is the way the Northwestern game ended. It's it's very similar to the men's basketball team in the final four. You've got this huge emotional semifinal victory, and the men's basketball team got off to a great start in the national championship, ended up sputtering due to a variety of reasons. But I think Carolina has the ability, and don't, North, as you brought up earlier, Boston College was down four with six to go and came back to win two. So they had a very similar sort of run. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I think this Carolina team has been too good for too long to not have won something. Um, obviously, ACC championships are great. Number one overall seeds are great. Final four appearances are great. But when you have, in my mind, the best goalie in the country, the best defender, the best midfielder, the second best attackman, and you've had them for so long, I just feel like it's bound to happen at some point. If not now, win for Carolina women's lacrosse. Charlotte North is great. She pretty much single-handedly beat Carolina last year in the Final Four. I just I just think Carolina is a team of destiny. They've lost in the Final Four countless times. They've gotten over that Final Four hump with the same group of people in the fashion that they did. I think it's really close. I think Carolina kind of gets away late in the fourth quarter, maybe wins by two or three. So I would say 14 to 11, 14 to 12 maybe. Um, not as high scoring as the final four matchups with 17, 16, 16, 15. Um, but certainly women's lacrosse, it's a heck of a lot easier to score than men's because you can just run through people and you can't really get checked that much. Um, so scoring is a lot higher, but I'll, I'll take Carolina 14 to 11 tomorrow. Don't want to jinx anything, obviously, but I'll, I'll take Carolina 14 to 11.
0: Yeah, I mean, we, we got to roll with our school, but there you have it jay Banzett on the podcast i mean great you uh great to talk about some lacrosse finally this i think it's my first episode uh for to talk about lacrosse um but again super excited to watch the game tomorrow i'm already learning so much about the sport but jay thank you so much for coming on the podcast uh very impromptu I actually just re- it was just reaching out last night trying to get some things done but that's how we do it here on 125 unfiltered so jay thank you so much again for coming on i'm sure we'll be able to do one of these again
1: Absolutely. Josh we'll hopefully talking about a national championship win in the next couple of days for Carolina women's Across.
0: No doubt. It's certainly now or never, especially for these groups of seniors. But I mean, uh, I guess to, to end it off, you know, you know, hopefully it's just the team of destiny. These seniors, they've I mean, they've played so hard. They've worked so hard together. Uh, you truly want it for the student athletes. And, you know, UNC doesn't have a national title this year. And for the School of National Champions, that's just not right. Go Tar Heels. Hopefully they can take it home tomorrow, but that's going to do it for today's episode of 125 Unfiltered. Stay tuned for a review episode of the championship game. I will certainly get that to you guys either Sunday or Monday. And yeah, that's it. I'll speak to you next time.